Mahatma Jino and this is Genomics Gupshap and we are now on the 17th episode of it and we have a very very special guest. Uh, he's not a doctor, not a genetic counsellor but somebody who has captured a lot of interesting things from his camera uh, and he's known as the Snow Leopard Man of India. To welcome Ishmael, uh, he's an internationally renowned photographer and uh, but you started off somewhere else, where, where did you get started off? Yeah, it's actually very interesting. So photography was never something that I grew up with. Uh, it was just something I picked up because I wanted to show the pictures of my travels to my friends back home and make them jealous. And that led to something else and then uh, seeing my first tiger in the field. And from then on it was just never going back. But you, do you think photography was in your genes? <laughs> uh, never know. Not documented, but... Uh, sure. No, because um, creativity maybe because all my uh, mom's sisters, everybody they're into either painting or artwork or clay work and all of that. So maybe a uh, little bit of a creativity outside of it did creep in. And I just needed a tool to show what it was, I think. And then you had all the tools, you got all the tools. Eventually, yeah, it took yeah. a long time. So <laughs> after 17 years of being into this field is, is, is where we are right now. So it did take some time. But so you started as a child or? No, so uh, I wish, I yeah. wish, but no, I was uh, uh, 25 when I actually started that. And now 43, so that's a long way. Great. Uh, how did you come across uh, you know, you said you started with travels, right? right. Uh, and you uh, wanted to you know, show this to your friends and all that. How did you end up finding this connection with cats? And, and uh, you know, you right. obviously became uh, to be known as a snow leopard man of India. But is that what you started with, or how did that whole thing? Go no, on? it was just uh, um, just just by chance because uh, a group of us we just wanted to go to the jungle, and I was visiting. So I was working in Paris at that point in time. And I was visiting uh, Hyderabad and we just went to Kanha. And the first day, first show, literally six feet away, there's this tiger sleeping and it opens up and stares at us. And I think that was the moment, which people really term it as the moment. And um, it is, since then, I always wanted to go back, always wanted to see more tigers and more. It was never about big cats, it was only about tigers initially. But then the more I saw different species, the more I got interested in the complete behavior, the patterns. And you do come to realize that they're not very different in, in most uh, things, especially the kittens or the cubs. So kitten, cubs and tigers? Kittens, cubs and tigers. Okay. And leopards. And, and so all, all the too many of the yeah, yeah, So So that actually reminds me of an interesting episode once when we went to Nandan Kanan. I don't know, you must have Right, heard. right, right. My sister was much younger, she was about six or seven, I don't remember. So my dad said, come look, look, there's a tiger. So she looks at the tiger, she gets fascinated and said, Are you to say Billy a Kajal Tiki Kesat? And I think you know that sort of brings the question, is this you know, you, did you find something that is genetically same like you know, Billy Ajo? Right. Um you know, interestingly, Abhi, recently I read this article that uh, which mentioned, I don't know, I didn't really read it, read it, so I probably shouldn't comment. But it said that uh, the house cats, the mm-hmm. common house cats, are actually an alien species. So Interesting. Yeah. yeah so, uh, but then when you notice, like, especially the cubs, whether it's the tiger cubs, the mm-hmm. leopard cubs, the snow leopard cubs, even the palaces cat kittens, uh, 
they're all the same. They're all this this curious, inquisitive. They're all uh, jumping around and playing with the mother's tales. Mm-hmm. All of them, literally, and um, that's that's their favorite favorite toy, right? So um, when you when you see all of them in different uh, schemes of things, you feel like it's actually just kitten that you actually play with at home, and uh, they're running around, they're trying to trip each mm-hmm. other's siblings. It's all of that. That's that's when you realize. Not really they just look different and but probably eat different. So, so you can pet a a, a big cat or a I did get person? I did get an opportunity to to um, um, you know handle a, a very small small leopard cub. So cute in a in a yeah. forest department. So when we were there to release the um, uh, another lynx, so that's when this cub was there and he was in rehabilitation because he had lost an eye. So um, he's still there, uh, and he was too little. And you know, when you're actually scratching their neck or in the the stomach, they were, they also purr exactly like what the kittens do back home. You know, you can feel those vibrations coming out, mm-hmm. and it, it, you know they're just rubbing. They're trying to rub themselves on you. All of that. It's it's very 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 synonymous to these. So you can see nature in its finest form. I guess. Sure, sure. Yeah. You know, that that's what is very interesting. Um, genetically, now that we're here in my, my genome, um, snow leopards are more closely related to tigers than leopards. Okay. But they don't have stripes. They just don't have, they lost their stripes. Yeah, I mean something or something <laughs> happened somewhere, yeah. right? So, um, and not the leopards, so I, I mean as a layman you would expect snow leopards to be closely related to the leopards, even though they're from the same panthera uh, mm-hmm. scientific genus. but. Um, they what? They're more closely related to the tigers. And now, uh, in the recent times, they've got to know that snow leopards themselves have three variations now. And uh, one is the north, extreme north, which is the Altai regions. The second is the central region. Third is the western, which is India and Himalayas and Pakistan and Tajikistan. So, so for the average person like uh, like me, you're saying a snow leopard is closer to a tiger, right? But right. is there something else? Like why? Why is it called a snow leopard? Is it only because it lives in the snow, or you know, is there something, something beyond? So no, it's the tiger that went to the snow. It's as simple as that because they are found in snow, and for the longest time we didn't we didn't uh, see them in the wild. It was I think in 1974 mm-hmm. or 76 is when we actually got the first picture of a snow leopard in the wild. Otherwise, uh, yeah. And they are like uh, whitish uh, color. Interestingly, again, right? So um, the genes, how they play their part, is is really mm-hmm. amazing because they adapt to the color of the surroundings. So if the like in in Indian Himalayas, you have them like a little bit of an off white, mm-hmm. and uh, in the in Mongolian area, they they are a little more whiter. But in some like in the they, so the snowleopards, they're also found in Gobi Desert. Oh, okay. Right. So um, they're again they're a little darker mm-hmm. and not just off white. They're a little darker than off white. So they, they merge completely in the into the environment. So in fact, um, the picture um, that uh, I took in 2017, right? So you can see that if there's snow, and even if you see patches of this, uh, the color of the snow leopard, it still merges like brilliantly with the background. That that's interesting because I think uh, we were this. That there was uh, this uh, movie or yeah. a documentary, right? right. Where uh, you know, I can understand if the snow leopard is sort of 
merges with the environment. Right. But there was this documentary that talked about the tiger that is completely... So what is that story? Right. Maybe you can explain better than I do. Um, so it was. it's a new series by the BBC and Sir David Attenborough was the one... I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Um, <laughs> um, so it's, it's all about colour, right? So we, we sometimes used to wonder initially, you know, why is tiger orange and green? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, easily detectable. It's Mahatma Jino colours that's That's yeah. a good one. <laughs> so yeah, so the, the whole uh, scientific theory behind it is that uh, certain species cannot see certain colours, mm-hmm. right? So that for the deer, the orange, they cannot see orange, so which is why they merge in the environment. So as long as the tiger is sitting still, the deer will never get to know that there's a tiger there. And that's what helps them come so close to the light. And uh, as humans, we see those all those colors, right? So we'll sometimes be like, hey, picture types. But for them, as long as they're not moving, there's nothing there. But I think then the uh, deers get a different sense of like motion and other things are... Uh, sure, the smell. Yeah, smell and Which is why if you notice all big cats, or for that matter, I'm, I'm, I'm sure even the other wild cats, they go, um, they, they play with the direction of the wind. They are. They face the wind uh, on them while they're going up to hunt because then they don't want their smell to travel up towards the uh, prey. So same thing we've noticed in tiger. Same thing I've seen even recorded in uh, um, snow leopards. Uh, exactly same thing with leopards. So these are all instinctive things which nature has taught them, right? So they 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 are the um, you know those warriors of their own field. Like the predators is this raw word, but literally the warriors of their own arena, right? So they are armed for it, they are prepared for it, they're physically built for it, and they have the senses which actually enhance their um, chances of hunting and surviving. So I guess like, you know, there is this whole saying, like the survival of the fittest. So you've actually sure. seen that in the... Absolutely. I mean, the stronger genes is always the predominant genes, and that is how when they um, when they um, you know reproduce. So they uh, even the the mother wants to produce stronger kids, uh, which is why I don't know how true it is. But even with the tigers, when the mother gives birth to a white tiger, supposedly I'm not too sure of it. Mm-hmm. So, but they she doesn't let the cub survive because she knows that the chances of that cub surviving in the wildlife. Very weak. So either either the either nature takes care of itself or sure. or, uh, or or the mother is doing it. Or the mother is yeah. because uh, I mean if you think of it from a uh, logistics mm-hmm. perspective, right? If she knows that this cup is not going to survive, she doesn't want to spend her energies and that food, which might not come in handy, but on the contrary, it will help the others become much stronger. You're optimizing their resources. resources. Sure. So t- t- tell us about little bit about you know some of your travels in Mongolia and various other interesting places that you've been to. No, it's, it's, uh, Mongolia has been one of my favorite places, no doubt about it. And uh, so there, I had gone there to photograph Palasus cats. And so what uh, are these cats? Palasus cats. Palasus cats are um, the only yes, cats which not. have ears on the sides. Oh, that is so cute. <laughs> they are like really, really adorable, yeah. right? Um, and um, uh, so, w- in one of these instances, what we saw was uh, 
The kittens are always hidden under the rocks, and the mother goes out to hunt. And as soon as the mother goes out, the kids let loose. Right? They're running around. Just everywhere. like moose. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, in one instance, one of those days, we saw that this kitten sees a uh, a pika, which is mm-hmm. like a small rat, a uh, mouse, and uh, instinctively, it's chasing the pika. And the pika is like, uh, I think. It it just feels like it's had enough. Mm-hmm. Stops, turns around, and looks at the uh, Pelasgus cat kitten. Now the kitten instinctively knows that it has to chase, but because it hasn't seen the mother kill one yet, it just comes there, sits in front of it, and just both of them are staring at each other, right? Because it doesn't know what to do next, right? So the pika is like, okay, that's it. All right, I'm going, and it's gone. <laughs> and that kitten is still sitting there yeah. and thinking, okay, what just happened? <laughs> Like I don't know what to do about it yeah. because I've seen my I have two beagles. Okay. And they keep running around in the garden and whenever there's a cat or something, like they run or or even a tadpole, but they don't do anything. They just right. they're just playing with it right. because they're not in the wild. Sure. But I think you know there is something in their you know in their genes that sort of tell them that they need to pursue something. But Absolutely right. You still need the nurture, the environment to sort of say I need to. This is what I need to do. Correct. Right, I think. Right. So that's where the mother comes in, and I think that's why um, the the duration with uh, for the for the kittens or cubs to stay with the mother is very very important. The snow leopard stay with the mother for two years, and I feel um, personally, it's my personal opinion, is also because it's um, the terrains that the snow leopard uh, travels. Are, uh, the distance is huge. And uh, one of the snow leopards that was uh, collared in Mongolia, it had a distance of around thousand square kilometers. Thousand square. Thousand square kilometers. Multiple countries. No, it, it did take quite quite a bit of a time, but then it it went all around. And uh, they are actually not that slow, even though they might look like heavy bulky, but it's mainly the fur that is covering them completely and making them completely completely oblivious to the cold. Right, but um, how did you survive it? Don't ask. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the the not so good part of going on these expeditions is the wearing and removing of your clothes. There's so many layers. You just don't want to get in it. But another thing that actually picked my interest in Mongolia was, uh, you know, the the famous myth about Chinggis Khan being the father of 70% of the world's that, population. Yes. <laughs> so I'm like, is this actually true? I mean, did anybody even do the research on this? And I. So I was like, "All right, that that's some man out there." <laughs> but so that's what got you excited, or that doing? Yeah, I mean, I I was like, "Okay, I I really need to do that." And you know, the locals, I mean, they have their own tales about it, right? So that's why when when you talk to them, they're like, you know, all the Khans, they're all his generation, and uh, because the Germans couldn't pronounce Khans with the epiglottis, they made it Khan. So that's K A H N. So they have their own theories on how. Uh, wherever he went, he left his mark of sorts, and so I was like, okay, that that's. So you wanted to see if the <laughs> mark was there anywhere, not? Yeah. I mean, I just wanted to know whether how true it is, yeah. and eventually it turned out to be not that true. Yeah, I I mean I think he he had some uh, he couldn't do he, I don't think he could reproduce that much. <laughs> sure, I mean uh, that that would have been but, yeah. like superhuman, right? But um, yeah. So that was uh, one of the things. Then another thing that really brought me to even think of trying it was another friend uh, who had gotten it done in the U.S. 
so he was from Uzbek and Iran and uh, Northern Africa and then a bit of India and uh, a little bit of Southeast Asia as well. So that was the first ever genealogy map or if that's the term to yeah. use, uh, map that I've seen. And I was blown away. I'm like, what? Really? Is this how it works? And uh, I was like, okay, I need to get it done sometime or the other. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that people don't realize that you know, we are actually 99.9% alike. But right. you know, our, what is fascinating is that your genes can tell you where you where sure. your ancestors have been, which yeah. maybe you never heard those stories beyond a few generations, right? Absolutely. I, think we, I mean, I think my parents told me about five, seven generations, wow. uh, but that's about how much I know, right? Yeah. I mean, I obviously won't know beyond that. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's the thing, right? But um, you know, now we have access to something like yeah, genetics that helps us to right. sort of say where did we actually make the whole migration from. Right. Right. So, right. so now you told us that you were not a descendant of Chen- Chengiz Khan. But no, thankfully not. So. <laughs> <laughs> and so what did you, is so that something you'd like to uh, talk about or I mean it's Sure, I mean absolutely. I mean uh, because it's, it's very interesting that um, even though uh, majority of, um, uh, how do I put it? The family. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've all been in South India, um, either Karnataka or in, in uh, erstwhile Hyderabad. Um, so I was surprised to see 5% of Rajasthan in me and uh, 3% of Indonesian or Southeast Asian. And I was like, okay, my, I think now my family has been everywhere. Now you need to travel to, uh, <laughs> to Indonesia and Rajasthan. Sure. Uh, Rajasthan have been, so that's why probably I felt at home. But <laughs> Now you go to Indonesia, Indonesia yeah, and you sure. find. I think there is there's a lot of Hindu influence and a lot of uh, also um, you know when when I went there I was totally shocked. I was like, how is this even possible? But it's actually you know from a religious point of view, it's you know some parts are fully there's a lot of influence of India. Oh, absolutely, because uh, the uh, Buddha Empire and uh, right? the whole this thing on uh, the. So it's fascinating because otherwise sure. I think you know many of these countries uh, religiously they might be you know one or the other but I think what is fascinating is what you find over there which yeah. like, which doesn't actually gel with the current how people view it right, right? Yeah. And I think that for me that was fascinating no absolutely I mean I think that's that's what we feel to understand that when the kingdoms expanded they didn't really expand only for um, you know, to spread something mm-hmm. that they believed in. But it was mainly to get more land, more money, obviously, and more power. Mm-hmm. Right? So even when the the Gupta Empire expanded all the way to Southeast Asia, the Cambodian uh, mm-hmm. temples and all of this, I mean, it's amazing how, you know, where all we've been and how we eventually end up being who we are and how every little thing when you actually get to understand makes so much of a difference. Correct. Right? Um, in fact, I had a question for you as well. Sure. So, um, genes, right? do they remember what all you've been through? Uh, or, uh, yeah. I mean, even even without taking into account your ancestors, right? even what you've been doing mm-hmm. from when you were born till now, do they actually remember everything that you've been up to? or? I wouldn't say everything, but there is a lot of things that you can find if you actually do an an uh, understanding of your uh, genes, not yeah. as so there are different parts of what you study in, in genetics, right? One yeah. is 
in which you are studying where you are looking at genes that are inherited, what we call as a single nucleotide markers. Okay. Um, so it's SNPs, it's called single nucleotide polymorphisms. Right? Those are what you inherited, that doesn't change. Right. But there are, if you look at, the, when you do a full genome analysis, you will find that there are certain marks, things like you know, methylation and other things that sort of are remembering a lot of uh, whatever you have done to your body, right? I mean, in terms okay. of your... You know, yeah. What has happened in terms of the environment, uh, you know, your, whether it's cold or not cold, whether it, you've been smoking a lot, I think that can also be visible. So there yeah. are a lot of things that sort of help us understand whether certain uh, certain things have changed in terms of the other parts of the structure yeah. in the DNA. Right. Um, and I think that is what people don't realize that now we even have the ability to be able to even study those, you know, the methylation and other yeah. things which we call as the epigenetics that is over the you know, your baseline markers. Basically comes into your body through experience. Correct. That can be, earlier we thought that, you know, you couldn't study it, but now you're starting to understand this whole science of epigenetics and it's actually measurable, there are ways to be able to do that. Okay. And and I think, you know, very soon, once the cost comes down a little bit more, I think all of us will have access to that on a regular basis, right? right? Do they keep changing as you grow? Yes, that will change. So the DNA, the the SNPs are not changing. What you inherited, so even in the DNA, you have something that you inherited from your parents. Right. Right. But if you see somebody, for instance, who has cancer in a particular cell, right? Right. Then there are some changes that have happened, right? So those are what we call as mutations, somatic mutations or the bodily mutations. Right. That will change. Right. Right. And that's why when when we look at a clinical sample for for uh, cancer type, you find mm-hmm. it from that particular location, and you then study it to find if there has been a change because that change is what is propagate helping the cells propagate and right. and, and become what it is. But what I'm talking about the methylation and others are right. where right. there are certain groups that get attached over there in terms of and it helps to express the genes better or not, right? So you might okay. see that. It, some people will be doing exactly the same things. Right. They might even have the same genetic testing. But you know, based on what they've done in the past, it's also like what they've nurtured really, right? Sure. So now you can even study nurture what what you've done. So I think that's the fascinating part. That it is, right? Okay, so now all these new attachments that we're getting, right, are they going to be passed on to? Yes, yeah, some of it children? is passed on. Some okay. of it is not, right? So okay. some things can be reset. In yeah. a way and the others. That's why they say that when you are pregnant with a child, right. you know, you need to make sure you don't do X, Y, Z. Right? Yeah. You get a lot yeah. of. Uh, and I think part of it is what you are passing on to the children. Sure. Then sure. even if you look back in history, you'll understand that you know they told us a lot of uh, stories about where when there was a famine. You know what happened. Right. You know right. in terms of you know people were still lean, but they some right. of them when they got access to too much food. Right. You know, even though they were very lean, they were, you know, they they, they did have diabetes and other things, right? So, yeah. I think it is, it is a fascinating thing, and I keep telling people that genetics is not just biology. Right? It is right, right, right. a lot of history and geography and, and other things that that are also encoded in it, which right. which we are able to now understand. Yeah, absolutely, um, you know, there were two reasons why I asked that question. One, um, a friend of mine, Abhinash Bhai from Odisha, he told me that you know. Um, the the Marwadis mm-hmm. are uh, considered to be conjuice is the the most popular um, uh, thought process of people. But um, you know he uh, he made it so um, so easy to understand. He said you know back then 
the resources were so 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 um, less that even a glass of water was very important so by conserving it by taking care of it with that much more um, zest it just during the course of time became the nature so it's not that they are it's just that it was the need of the hour back then and it just kept passing on and I think diluted now. So I, I think that's, I mean, I'm a Marwari also. So I will, right. uh, so I Okay, think so that, that makes good sense to ask you so, some questions. <laughs> yes. So, so I, I actually make this comment in a few presentations. I say, okay. I start off saying, okay, I'm a Marwari. That's, that, that's good enough, right? People will understand, you know, what happened to my uh, genes and uh, the thing. Right, so think, okay. But what was interesting about the whole Marwari-ness or, right. or even now, I think if you look at Gujarati or sure. whatever, anywhere where there has been a problem in terms of your natural resources or anything else. Right. Just like you were mentioning about yeah. famine. Correct. Yeah. So in, in the case of Rajasthan and other places, people had to leave, you know, many, because one, the environment was so harsh right. that people leave. Right. When they leave, they created communities, right? Right. So if you look at a lot of, uh, you know, you'll find Marwadis in pretty much every part of the country and sure. you'll find that they are a close-knit society. Right. Same thing with the Gujarati community sure. or the Sindhi community. Right. And these are interesting things because they've come out of their comfort zone, if you will, right. uh, because of lack of resources or anything else. And they sure. come out, they find comfort in knowing each other. It's like when we all go to the US or somewhere else, we right. find other right. Indians that we find comfort in. Right? Right. And that's right. the network you created. But I think with the Marwadis and others, um, what happened with the community was they helped each other and yeah. that became a process, right? Like yeah. you help yeah. someone settle in, you help someone sure. do that, you sure. lend them money when they need it or you do things like that. And it sort of is a continuous, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's a fascinating part about you know, No, absolutely. Right? So, so, so that's when he mentioned, I think this was 2014 when he had spoken about it. but since then it's just been a fresh in my mind and I was always like you know uh, to, that's when you start thinking differently because now you know the, the, the sort of the crux yeah. of it yeah. right and um, so that was one the second reason was um, how you recollect things when you're doing something right now mm-hmm. so when <clears throat> excuse me when dad used to walk uh, in wherever in a mm-hmm. park or whatever so I would try to keep my foot wherever he would lift his Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And now, when I'm doing the expeditions, that's exactly what we do with our with our guests. We tell them, you know, just Copy step on step. where we are stepping because we know where we are stepping. So they're not aware of the terrain. It's snow. There's a lot of snow. Mm-hmm. Um, one and a half, two feet of snow. You might slip. You might fall. You might, you know, come across something. They lose um, stones or pebbles. So, um, uh, so I think not the first or second year, but somewhere around the third, fourth year, I realized, wait, I've been doing this. So long ago, right? And um, then I did a, a mountaineering course in 2008 and I had no clue about what I'm going to do with my life. So That came in hand. That came in hand, right? So now everything I recollect, whatever was, was learned. And sometimes it just happens that you're in a situation and you're like, oh wait, that's when I told me I have to do this. Yeah. Things like that. And um, hopefully I, I don't intend to um, utilize the skill that one of our principals had told us at the HMI Institute. He said, when you get caught in an avalanche, how do you know which way is up? Give it a shot. Um, wherever you are not, I guess. <laughs> you have to get out of Then you spit. So the spit goes down ah. towards gravity. Ah. So you go the other way. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, no, so simple things, yeah. right? So, I mean, and then you recollect everything when you're on field and then you feel like, okay, wait, did I even forget it to begin with? Mm-hmm. So that was why I, you know, categorically asked, excuse me, whether you remember everything uh, that you do These are things life. that you love to, like, you, may, you know that gravity was, but you <laughs> might not think about it at that time. Right? And it was, it's so simple. Yeah. It is so simple. Even underwater, you know, when you're disoriented, you just let the bubbles go. Mm-hmm. And then the bubbles go up. You just follow the bubbles up. So there's the whole, uh, you know, you obviously you don't go to a, a Himalayan expedition <laughs> if you are not interested or interested. Sure. But sure. I think it's also what they teach you over there that, that comes into handy. So nature nurturing. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Nature. And it's all a tight net thing because without... You learning from nature, you cannot nurture your own self. At least that's what I feel, I've, I've felt on the field, right? Um, everything that we are actually capable of doing and overcoming right now is because somewhere or the other in the chain of things, we did refer to nature to learn and grow from it. So, um, do you think uh, photography is what percent nurture and what percent nature? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, like, it, like yeah. what we started with, right? So. I'm probably one of the first people in my whole family who's probably touched the camera, a DSLR to begin with. And um, I'm self-taught. But the creativity part of it, I'm not sure. That's something that I even tell, the, so when I'm addressing uh, students in, in any of these schools, I tell them, whenever you go to learn photography, learn how to use the camera. Not the thought process of the person teaching you. Because that's his or her yes. thought process. And you have your own unique thought process, so make use of it. But learn your tools, because that is what is going to help you achieve what you want to achieve. And I think you should let it be as it is, because everybody has a different thought process. And of course, you can grow your skill, but some of them are really gifted by itself. You know, so yeah. I don't know how that that works. That's the nature <laughs> part of the. Sure. Thing. Sure. But they, you know, they say right, a picture is worth a thousand words right. but I think some pictures are worth a bigger story right? <laughs> in, in some ways absolutely yeah. especially if you try to understand where all it's come from so for me um, if I'm taking a picture right now it's 17 years of work that is coming into play for that one picture because instinctively or thought process or um, being in the field that often so that you understand how you handle your gear and how you handle yourself while you're doing it um, but uh, I mean, I and I know a couple of people who, you know, from day one were like, "Wow, what a brilliant picture!" You know, the thought process was clear, and uh, even for Udbhav, um when he's framing a picture, he doesn't really need to do anything else but just take it, and that's it. So, <laughs> but uh, so I'm sure when you go on vacations, you must be the person that everyone hands their phone <laughs> and say, "Photo please, Lena." They do, so I just keep it in my pocket because I say I should only buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they did once after that, they didn't. They stop doing yeah. that. Yeah. They don't want to use their phones. <laughs> but so, yeah. so, so far we've been talking a lot about like cats and, and nature yeah. and nurture and ancestry and that we found out very sadly or, or happily that you are not from no, I'm, I'm content. <laughs> I'm content yeah. with my uh, seven, how much was it? 82% South Indian roots. So yeah, sure. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, do, would you be, uh, you know, do you think that you would like to also understand how it impacts your health? 
in terms of no absolutely in fact um, you know the, the third um, reason why um, I also wanted to have a look see into this was because um, all my grandparents and my dad's sister and uh, so all of them actually passed away because of cancer and because it's been there in three generations and I'm the fourth so the chances are supposedly predominantly very high so that's another thing but then I was very skeptical of, I still am frankly because um, your lifestyle actually changes with the changing yes. lifestyle a lot of things change in you right so I, I think you know the purpose is not to tell you this is how you're going to die right I mean sure. and, and, and I think you know, a lot of people have this misconception that that's what we are trying to do so I think right. like you very rightly said nothing is like it's basically a guide right so right. we tell that you know when, when you look at a Google map, it basically tells you, you know, go from the other direction, sure. right? I mean, sure. you, you find an alternate path. It's about doing that, right? right? It's about saying that if I have a risk, which means that the, possi- the probability of me getting that, if I did all the wrong things, is higher. Right. As opposed to if I did the right things, right? right? So I think it's more about helping people to understand the alternative paths to good health, right? Sure. It is not to tell that, you know, you're going to... <laughs> so, for instance, I have a risk for diabetes. I have a very strong family history. Right. When you look at yeah. my, you know, and I track uh, my sugars on a regular basis just right. to uh, just to see which foods will, they will right. increase or decrease. Right. And right. I think today I have one of the, you know, my, my blood sugars are, you know, very much in, never has, you know, and I don't take any medication. Oh, and I don't intend to. And I don't intend to. Also, of course, right? that's a whole intent, any which yeah. way, right? You don't want to rely on pills whatsoever it is, exactly. right? So yeah, but how um, how how effective is it in in even giving you a guide map, right? Because still there are too many things which which we understand and which we feel is beyond human comprehension, right? So how much of this is actually going to impact? So clearly you have to do the work yourself, right? I mean, right. We, we'll help you understand. Right. Um, so then what we are basically telling is that, so you have a risk in A, B and C. And right. these are the recommendations. And this is what you would do from a screening perspective, right? So let's okay. say you have a risk for, um, you know, um, for some people, let's say you have a risk for lung cancer, for instance. Right. Right? Right. Your genetics is only paying about 5-10% over there. Okay. But if you're smoking, that is 50%. Right. So, gotcha. so basically, right. you know, people forget that what, so they, they'll come and tell, you know, I know this one uncle who used to smoke and did this and that and never got it, but there was one other person. Now that's a possibility because depending on what your genes are, someone is at right. a higher but or a lower risk based on that. Sure. But what you're doing is adding on to that risk, right? So it's like probability, you add on, you're, you're adding right. on these right. additional risks that are there, that sort sure. of makes you worse. But the same way you can reduce that risk also, right? right? It's like, let's say you were born rich, right? And and if you were born, I was born rich, rich? I'm saying, if you were born rich, right? Okay. I was like, where did I miss it? So. <laughs> yeah, so there might be people who are born rich, right? Sure. But they can completely wither it away, right? I mean, you, you, you started with yeah. a sugar spoon, but you it's possible yeah. that you, you exactly. know, you, you, yeah, a lot of people have sure. withered their wealth away. But there are many people who were born with nothing, right? right? And they were able to still grow and get to And it's harder. Absolutely. Right? But you get there. Right? Yeah. So it is about that, right? It's about finding that alternative path right. to be able to get there. It's not the same for everyone. And I think yeah. that's the difference. That 
your path to good health is different from my path to good health. And I think because it's different what I eat, it's different what my genes are and other things. And therefore, you need to understand how to make right. this work for you. And that's all we are trying to do. We are not trying to be astrologers that you, you, you uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think that is the misconception because then uh, the, the initial thought process, maybe not right now, but you know, five, seven years back, it was like, you know, if I get it done, then they'll tell me how I'm going to die and then I don't want to die like that. No, so not at all. I that's all the thing. Even with the, with the cancer, right, specifically, because I've seen a load of my family go down with it. And um, it's like, it's just, I actually, yes, seven or eight members in my family. So um, the first thought process is, okay, you know, that's how I'm going down. Yeah, so even if you take the case of cancer, right? right. Let's say you know if you take one of the most common one, at least for women, is breast cancer. Right. In the US and other countries, they've been able to reduce it by ninety percent almost, right? Because it's treatable. Right. It's right. treatable if you catch it early. Understood. It is not treatable if you go there in the end, right? Understood. And I think right. the problem is right now, in most cases, people are told, they are so scared to find out that by the time they find out it's too late. Right. And, and then the doctors can't really help you, right? Sure. I mean, they try and you'll spend a lot of money. Right. You spend lakhs and crores of rupees, but yeah. it's too late. You are better off doing that upfront yeah. Yeah. than being able to get to that point, right? So it's not that just because I told you doesn't mean that thing is not there, right? Sure. It's like being the ostrich in the sand, right? You are, you are, you know, you have it. True that, but yeah. I think, you know, when you have the capability of knowing that information, use it to your advantage, right? I think right. that's what we are telling people that it's not about telling you how this thing, but it's right. about telling you are there paths to good health. Right. And, and and now I think, you know, we hopefully we'll find a lot more people who live to 120 and beyond also, right? If you Why? Why? <laughs> good question. We've been doing this campaign, I don't know if you've yeah. seen that, 90 plus. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah. And it's fascinating how many, there are some families where you find like people who have, uh, like we found one family that had four siblings all yeah. over 90. Wow. Yeah. Uh, That's yeah. So I'm yeah. saying it, it is, it's really nice to see that there are some families where, and I think we are trying to understand this. Right. You know, is it nurture the nature or I'm sure it's some combination of both. Right. right? It's just right. the same as in everything. But how often do you face this this question of faith in what you do? Because um, more often than not, science has always fought with with our predominant faiths. And uh, um, still, I, I feel even when I encounter quite a few people, especially in the villages, there's still a little bit of an apprehension towards uh, technology and science. But how often do you encounter that? Not as much, but I'll tell you an interesting thing. I, my mamaji is a is actually a pundit, right? He, okay. he actually does do Janar Patriya yeah. and okay. things like that. So yeah. I was trying Is that to, what you got the name from? The not him, GM? but yeah, but I mean, that was similar the same. But right. so uh, I remember I went to him uh, much after I started Map My Genome and I said, uh, can you give me your books? I want to right. study. Right? Yeah. But anyway, he gave me this massive book which was written in pure Shuddhi Hindi and luckily I think my dog ate it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't go beyond a few pages, to be honest. Right? It was written in very difficult Hindi. Right, 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 right. And I, so not that I can't read Hindi, but it's been a while since sure. then. Right? But uh, there were interesting conversations I had with him. And I said, uh, you know, he was also, he liked what we were doing. And right. uh, we, we were discussing, right? So I, <clears> in the end, he said, 
जो तुम बोल रहे हो एंड जो मैं बोल रहा हूँ इट्स द सेम थिंग एंड आई से वॉट यू मीन द सेम थिंग ई से यू आर टेलिंग पीपल टू लाइक इफ दे आर अ रिस्क फॉर समथिंग यू आर टेलिंग दैम टू एक्सरसाइज राइट आई टेल दैम वॉक टू द टेम्पल एवरी डे एंड कम एंड फॉर इंस्टेंस सो ही से काइंड ऑफ सोल्यूशन दैट आई हैव आर ऑल्सो डूइंग द सेम थिंग बट इफ समन इज हैज फेथ इन इन गॉड यू कनेक्टेड टू दैट राइट सो इट इज इट डजेंट you know ultimately you're doing the same thing right. except this one is more measurable right so we sure. had a, obviously a sure. lot of discussion around that right. that uh, statistically i think we are better off than you are <laughs> but anyway that is a, that's a different that's point a i don't know enough yeah, yeah. Sure. i don't know enough about that uh, about astrology to make that uh, assumption right. Right. Uh, but uh, but i think that's the difference right so sure. i think what we want to tell or help people understand is that it doesn't matter how but it is right. your health is important and whether right. you are looking at it from a you know from a faith perspective whether you are looking at it from you know science, science sure. it's whatever you know makes you yeah whatever works for you yeah exactly and, yeah. and so so from from me I, it doesn't matter if it is uh, if if you know if someone who is a religious guru is telling yeah. us is uh, you know our genetic counselor is helping them through the process i think right. it is ultimately if they doing the right things Sure. I think anyone who is at the big crux of it, right? Um, so all religions actually want you to do that. Yeah. It's just that we misinterpret some based on our understanding of things. But now that everything that is being taught religion-wise is being proved science-wise, I think now we're more receptive also to it. And especially now when I mean, so many learned, I mean, the kids are growing up with access to Google and things, resources that were not. um earlier on but Correct. yeah i think i think it's 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 going in the right direction i think we, we all have to realize that you know one times have changed a little bit right? right but some of the learnings are still the same right sure. i mean we are still human beings and we we still need to do the right uh, things right, right. right. and, and uh, so many of the things i think ultimately have been viewed in the lens that we have wanted to see it based yeah. on on the era that we lived in and sure. and i think now when when knowledge is more available you know you can you can view it in the way that that you would prefer it to and right. i think religion also sort of changes over a period of time right and i think so right. part of that is that yes it's supposed to not change but it does change because right. 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 it depends right. it's human beings are interpreting it sure right. so i i think ultimately it is uh, you know it is up to us right right to be able to see what is best for us and i think it's good you know from where we get the knowledge is it doesn't matter but if you sure. use it you have to be curious yeah. just like the cats yeah <laughs> you, you said like it's on your t-shirt yeah. curiosity, curiosity is my dna yeah i think you should give each to all the cats with in photographing i would love it i was going to ask that <laughs> that if you can take a big uh, you know nice cute big cat with a curiosity yeah, yeah. i mean i mean ladakh next week maybe i'll do that That would be nice. Yeah. So uh, our first model for Map My Genome right. is Daisy, my dog. Okay. She, she used to be in the T-shirt all the time. Is that right? Yeah. But okay. now our beagles are too little. I can't put them in these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Daisy was a great model for us. So. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Look, yeah. yeah. it's it's really interesting. Right? Everything. If you actually circle around, circle back to what we started with, right? The cats and the nature and nurture aspect of it. um curiosity is a part of everything 
even of what we are right now it was curiosity that got us the airplanes the tires the fire anything and everything so this is what it is all about yes. right <laughs> i think this was one t-shirt everyone connected with right because right. we used we had music is in my dna we had fitness is in my dna right. Right. and then yeah, curiosity so just <laughs> Yeah, maybe you have photographies in my dear name, but yeah, but curiosity yeah, is sort of common in in most sure. most uh, you know whether it is a creative subject or even a scientific endeavor. Absolutely, it's, it's what drives human beings. So. Yeah, sure. I think you finally nailed it. <laughs> Hopefully, we got the right one this time. Hopefully, I think that cats agree and and, and yeah, yeah, sure. I think even dogs are curious. Um, they just don't. I'm not a dog person, so I'll say no. <laughs> Well, we call one of our beagles as a fat cat. Is that? It? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I guess there is some some commonality. I try to try. So another thing, right? So I don't know how it works with the DNA, but when you're talking, not everybody is a good speaker. No. Does that also affect? Uh, uh, that effect also rub on to your generation, or is this something how you grow up? I think there's bit of both, right? I mean, it's the same thing, like with with singing, with with dancing, with many other nice. things. It's, these are some of it is naturally in it. I, I remember my my brother would often tell me I used to jump around the house when I was right. a kid. He'd keep telling me, "Why don't you go to a proper dance teacher and learn instead of jumping around the house like this?" Right? Ah. <laughs> but I never did. Right? Okay. But so that's why I tell people that. Genes, maybe you have the genes, but yeah. if you have not practiced, yeah, channelized, even channelized that, yeah. it's not going to make a difference. Like I have the sprint genes, okay, right? Which in India are very less because uh, sprint genes, you know, if you know that they can, they use up a lot of energy, right? So when you run yeah. fast, you're using a lot more energy, right? And so when you are in trying to conserve your energy, when you had less resources, right? Then those would not be the best use of your you know that those genes are not very useful right okay so as a result i think most people did not have uh, don't have that but okay. it means that you know if i actually trained myself i would have i was just going to say that yeah i could have won some medals for india <laughs> <laughs> but sure. i didn't i think at 50 years it becomes a little bit hard to to, to go and start running right but no, i understand yeah so I, mean, i think that's that is the interesting part right like how do you How do you channelize what you have, your strengths, right, right. And, right. And, uh, and and understand your weaknesses so that you are able to? It's the same thing like when you want to uh, write a competitive exam, so you focus on what is your strength. Right, sure. It's, it's the same thing if you consider life as as a being competitive the, exam, yeah. or not even a competitive, some exam. Then you you channelize your strengths. Right. right. So, yeah. And so Udav was also mentioning about the bodybuilding scenario, right? So if you know what. Works for the enhancement Correct. of your muscles, and it actually extrapolates it, or you know, makes it makes you uh, achieve your results faster, or uh, makes you not do something which is not going to help you at all. Correct. And But then so, why would you I mean, spend more energy doing exactly, that? Exactly. Right. But how many of the the um, you know coaches depend on it? Is is any dependence on it at all? For that there matter? is. There is. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. Right. It's not like we are telling people. What sport to pick, right? Right. for instance? Right. So I have a niece. Um, she uh, does swimming, right. Right. And, and she's been doing it for since she was a kid, right. long, long, long time ago. Uh, I think what it helped her was to see 
if depending on whether you have the sprint gene or the endurance gene, whether long distance is good for you or shorter distance, because that okay. will help you perform your best, right? Right. So it is more about guiding you. We are not helping people to say that should you even run. And I, right. I often have this discussion with my kids also. Right. It's not that we are telling people to do or not do a particular sport, but right. if you want to win a medal, right. If and you want to do be you know really good at it, have that advantage. Th- then you get that little bit of advantage because even that little milliseconds will make a difference, right? Of course. And and I think that's what is the the part that it helps you to understand and say how do I capitalize on my strengths? Right? And a right. lot of people are doing it. We are seeing a lot of um, you know young cricketers, but also elite athletes that have come okay. to us and and done this on a in India. In India. Oh wow! And some of our athletes are. Olympic level medalists, but I can't tell who. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so okay. I think we, we did see that people this extra information does help. Right. You know, right. Everybody. Right? Right. It helps them to understand and capitalize on. Right. But like you pointed out earlier, right? If you if you have a way of knowing what might go right or wrong, you'd rather know that than okay. to go oblivious into it. Because that will help you in in get, right. getting that extra strength. I think you know it has been fascinating, and, and hopefully we'll get you for another episode once you maybe done Thank the you. genome patri and get the health results and see. If yeah, sure. I'm I'm actually looking forward to that, and uh, yeah. So that I want to I want to compare as to what we've heard of uh, the DNA and genome analysis to what eventually the report comes as, and how that correlates with what my thinking was, and then when I speak with any of you about it, then how it actually is going to. Change my uh, lifestyle, so all of that. I'm actually looking forward to that. That that would be great. So, yeah, and we can redo this. And yeah. <laughs> that would be fantastic. So sure. thank you, thank you, Smile. It has been no a time. pleasure to have you on our uh, show, and we've gone through everything. We thought we'll talk about uh, photography, but we've right. pretty much covered <laughs> a lot of the spectrum. I think, yeah, we done. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you very so, much. I appreciate you calling me. We really love your photographs and your videos, uh, you. and you are absolutely amazing photographer. But I think you, know, you are you also an extremely curious person, and I think you know sure. we are uh, you know delighted that you know, curiosity is in your DNA, right? <laughs> no, it is. is. I think that's what keeps yeah. us running in so, exploring. Sure. Thank you very much, and we hope to see you again very soon. Hopefully, soon. Thank, thank you. you. Absolutely.